So hello, everybody. It's great to be with you. Um, if you don't know me for some reason, my name's Isaac. I'm one of the youth um, classes here. It's great to be with you. And I'm really keen, along with everyone else, to see your guys' um, face in person and to see you guys in person, which is really exciting. Now, last week, we started a new series this term looking at the book of Matthew in the Bible. Now, Matthew is a gospel, which means it tells us the story of Jesus, which is super exciting. Now, last week, Sam spoke and we looked at a man called John the Baptist. He came to prepare the way, to prepare the way for Jesus' coming and to get people ready for Jesus to come because it was such a huge earth-shattering moment when he does. And Sam challenged us to consider our own responses and our own readiness for Jesus. We saw that Jesus is baptized, he's baptized in water, and it's declared from the heavens, this is an awesome scene, the heavens open up, and it's declared that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a glorious moment when Jesus is baptized, right? The heavens open up, we hear God's voice. It's amazing. And then straight after that section, we get this passage, where Jesus is tested in the wilderness, we see that the same spirit that baptized him in water leads him away to be tempted, it says. Jesus fasts, that means he doesn't eat or drink for 40 days. Sorry, just eat, not drink. He was drinking, doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And so he's super hungry, right? Super hungry. And then it says that Satan comes to him when he's at his lowest to tempt him. Satan knows Jesus is the son of God and has all the power and he tries to use that against Jesus. He tries to test Jesus by trying to get him to turn a stone into bread to satisfy his hunger. But we see that Jesus rebuffs him by quoting the Bible, doesn't he? And then Satan tempts him again. Satan takes Jesus and had him look over the drop from the top of the temple. I've been to this temple in Jerusalem and you can see it on the corner. Look out. It's an amazing, amazing valley and a huge drop down into the valley below from the top of the temple. And Jesus is taken there and Satan tempts him by saying, come on, show us your power, throw yourself off and show us that you can save yourself. It's kind of teasing him. Right, And Jesus answers again. He says, by quoting the Bible, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then lastly, Satan takes him to a very, very high mountain, we read, and shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and promises that Jesus can have it all if he bows down and worships Satan. But does Jesus give in? Well, of course not. No, he rebukes Satan, telling him to get away. And he quotes the Bible again every time he quotes the Bible. And he says, the Bible says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus refuses to be swayed or convinced by the temptation, despite him being hungry and vulnerable. So what I want you to do, I want you to make sure you've got your um, a notebook or a piece of paper. Um, I want you to write a heading on that piece of paper. I want you to write three things we learn about Jesus. Maybe you can write Matthew 4 at the top and then write down three things we learn about Jesus. So we're going to look at three things that we learn about who Jesus is from this passage. I'll give you a chance to do that. Now, while you do that, have you guys, has anyone ever heard of Princess Mary, the crown princess of Denmark? Has anyone ever heard I think Jade is giving a nod. It's a very like niche um, monarchy thing. A couple of other people. Okay. Okay. So what is so special about uh, Mary, the crown princess of Denmark? Well, 
Mary is a woman who was not born in Denmark, but she was born in Hobart, Tasmania. Right now, I don't want to offend Sam here, but one of the least likely places that you'd find a princess, in my opinion, is Tasmania. But anyway, here we have, right? I'm not trying to offend anyone here, but here we have Mary. She's from Tasmania. How did she get there? Well, it's quite a story, right? Mary, this girl from Tasmania, girl from Tassie, was in Sydney for the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games. And after the Games, she went to a pub in the city, some random old pub to have a drink. She was a pretty ordinary character, right? And she met a couple of guys in the pub. One was called Fred, one was called Joachim, one was called Nick, and there were some others there as well. And Fred and Mary, they kind of hit it off, right, at this random pub. They decided to meet up again. And much to Mary's surprise, Fred was no normal person. Frederick was the prince of Denmark. He was the heir to the Danish throne. And the other people with him at the pub were just other princesses and princes of other European countries. Now, that was a shock to Mary. She didn't know when she was at the pub. They met without knowing, right? They hit it off. And guess what? Now she is a princess of Denmark and the future queen of Denmark. That's right. Mary from Tassie, the future queen of Denmark. It's quite a story. Right? It's quite a story. And I think it's quite a story because Prince Frederick shouldn't have been at that random pub in Sydney, right? It's not the normal place you find Danish royalty in plain clothes, not showing up at a little random pub in Sydney. It'd luck with me if I go to like the royal pub in Richmond and see like Beyonce. Like it'd be a bit of a shock to see Beyonce at the Royal Richmond, right? And that's what it was like. He wasn't meant to be in a place like that. His stature and his title seemed so important that he shouldn't have been at this random little pub in a town on the other side of the world. And I think we see something similar here with Jesus in this, in this um, passage. In the previous chapter, we saw the amazing scene of Jesus being baptised, that he's the son of God. So why, when we flip the page in our Bible, do we see that amazing person, he's all-powerful, he's the son of God, where is he? He's in a desert. He's hungry, he's hot, he's vulnerable, he's being tested and tempted, right? It's such a contrast. So let's look at three things that we learn from this passage about Jesus. So I want you to write this down under that heading that you wrote. Firstly, and write this down, we're reminded that Jesus is fully human. Jesus is fully human. He is tempted and tested just as humans are. He is hungry and thirsty and vulnerable just as humans are. And because Jesus is fully human, because he is tested and tempted like us, because he struggles like us, he can identify with us and we can take comfort in him. In Hebrews 2, a book later in the Bible, it says this, because he, this is Jesus, because Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then later in Hebrews, in Hebrews 4, it says, we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sit. We see that Jesus was tempted like us, because he was fully human, he can empathize with our weakness and he can help us. We can re rely on him and look to his example. 
So that's our first thing. We're reminded that Jesus is fully human. Now, the second thing I want you to write down is we're reminded that Jesus is the son of God. In verse three, if you've got your Bibles open, it says that Satan said this to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. And we know by looking at the translation that Satan isn't questioning whether Jesus is actually the son of God, but rather he's saying, like, since you are the son of God with all power and might, save yourself, help yourself. Right. And then later in the passage in verse eight, Satan tries to tempt Jesus by offering him all the kingdoms in the world. And if you know your Bible world, that section should remind you of a passage in the book of Colossians. And in that book, in Colossians 1, we read about all the power Jesus has. It says, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Right? When Satan takes Jesus up and says, do you want all this? Satan and Jesus both know he already is in charge of all that. We're reminded by the past, in this passage, by the way, Satan tempts Jesus that he is the son of God. He has power and dominion over all things. So that's the second thing, and I hope you've written it down, that we're reminded that Jesus is the son of God. Okay, that leads us to the third and last thing we learn about Jesus. The curious thing about this story is that although Jesus has all the power and might that he can do everything that he is God, he does not give in to temptation, right? Even though he could have done all those things, he doesn't, right? He could have turned the stone into bread, but he doesn't. He could have fallen off the temple and saved himself, but he doesn't. Right? Instead, he puts aside his power to identify and be an example for us. So I want you to write this out. Jesus puts aside his power to help us. That Jesus puts aside his power to help us. That's our third thing. We learn that he comes down to us on our level to help us. He fasts. He goes hungry. He's tempted to help us. And we see this also with Jesus on the cross, right? When he is on the cross, the people, they tease him and say, if you really are the son of God, the king of the Jews, come down and save yourself. And Jesus, with all the power, he has the power to do that, but he chooses not to for our sake. So that's our third thing. So we've got that Jesus is fully human. Jesus is the son of God and that Jesus puts aside his power to help us. Okie dokie. Pretty cool, right? Now, we can follow, because Jesus is fully human, because he's the son of God, and because he puts aside his power to help us, we can follow his example, and we can try to emulate him when it comes to temptations and testing because he has already been through it, right? So what we're going to do, we're going to discuss three ways to finish that we can learn about temptation and the response to temptation from this passage and from Jesus. So I want you to write down a second heading under that first one saying, what can we learn or three things we learn about temptation? Three things we learn about temptation. Okay, the first thing, and I want you to write this down, the first thing is that temptation can come in all different forms. Temptation can come in all different forms. 
Write that down. We see in this passage that firstly, Jesus is tempted by the cravings of his body. He was tempted with food, right? He was so hungry and his body craved food. So he's tempted with that. Now for you, you might be tempted and tested to sin by what your body wants. Whether that's food, maybe for you, it's doing things you shouldn't be doing with your girlfriend or boyfriend or saying things to make yourself feel good, right? What ways are you tempted or tested by the cravings of your body, what your body wants? Okay, so that's the first one. The next thing we see is that Jesus is tempted by pride, right? Satan takes him up and shows him every city in the world and tears him. He says, you know, you can have all this. Show us your power. And when he takes him up to the temple, he teases his pride and said, oh, come on, Jesus. If you're so powerful, just jump off here and show us how good you are and save yourself. Right? That was Jesus. He was tempted to show off his pride. And we can also be tempted to show off how important and awesome we think we are. You might be tempted to show off in front of your friends, to swear, to do wrong things so people like you, to not admit that you follow Jesus so people will think, you know, you're cooler, right? And lastly, Jesus is tempted by power, right? And also amazing things. Look, he's taken up to that high mountain. He's shown everything in the world and he's promised power, and for us, we can also be tempted to, to take control of things and rely on our own power rather than giving things to God. We can think that we're in control of our own life. We can forget to pray. We forget to think about, oh, what does God think about what I'm about to do and think that just we're in control of it. Okay? So our first thing, temptation comes in all different forms. The second thing we learn, write this one down, is that we beat temptation by knowing the word of God. We beat temptation by knowing the word of God. In this passage, every single time Jesus is tempted, what does he do? He quotes the Old Testament to resist that temptation. He knows the Bible so well and he knows the promises in it so well that he can quote them. So if you're struggling with something in your life and temptation in your life, read your Bible more. Read the promises in your Bible more. Learn about the promises of God and what he says to you, and that's going to help you resist temptation. Okay, thirdly and lastly, and write this one down as well, we learn in this passage that temptation makes us stronger. At the end of the passage, it says in verse 11 that when the devil left him, the angels came and attended Jesus. He was looked after by God and given strength after the temptation was over. Elsewhere in the Bible, in a book later in the Bible called 1 Peter, in chapter 1 of that, it says this. It says, uh, in this you rejoice now, though now for a little while you have been grieved by various trials. That is, you're going through hard things in your life. So that the, te so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. It says this said, what this means is that yes, you're going to have really hard things in your life. You're going to be tested and tempted in your life. But what does that do? It says in that passage that it shows the genuineness. That means that our faith in God is actually real, right? It's not fake. It's actually real. Tests and trials show us when we go through hard times, it shows us that our faith in God is actually real. 
And the result of that is that our faith can result in praise and glory and honor at Jesus. Right? So the purpose of temptations and trials is to refine our faith. Temptations are going to come up in your life. They might already now. They're going to try and pull you away from God. But those tests, when you get through them, they're going to show that your faith is true. They're going to refine you and they're going to make your faith in God stronger. In life, we're going to be tempted in so many different ways, but we can know that we can look to Jesus' examples, right? Although he's the son of God, although he's so powerful, he has been through everything we've been through. He can empathize with our weakness, the writer of Hebrews says. And we know how to resist it. We need to know the word of God. We need to pray. And we know that if we get through the temptations and the trials, it's going to make us stronger. All right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to head off to some small groups. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your only son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he put aside his power and his might to come down to our level. We thank you that he knows what it's like to go through trials and temptations so that he can help us and so that he can empathize with our weaknesses. I pray, Lord, that everyone here will rely on God, that will read the Bible and rely on Jesus' example so that we ourselves can also get through temptations in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.